cliffcentral.com. And it is time for African Analysis, which is our bi-monthly feature sponsored by the Johannesburg Business School. And we look at what's happening in Africa. Good morning, JJ. How are you? Bonjour. I'm exceedingly well, thanks. But it's kind of you to ask, nonetheless. <laughs> no, it's good to see you. So, JJ, <laughs> let's just talk. I, I said to... Um, to Candace and to Sia this morning and, and everybody else that we've got a, a task. Apparently the UN allows one person a year, some random person to address the General Assembly and you can actually send them a speech and they might consider you. Um, it's one of the things that they do and, and you can go to their website for all this information. But the UN does a whole lot of stuff all over the world that we don't even know about. And one of the things that they did this week, we don't know how effective it's going to be, is that they passed a unanimous resolution calling for humanitarian help to be delivered to countries where there are conflicts and to stop those conflicts for a little while so that we can have people vaccinated. Do the UN have the ability to to make sure that that happens, or are they just saying, please, guys, can we stop fighting so that we can get people inoculated? Well, you know, it's an excellently posed question, what the UN can and cannot do. I mean, obviously, (laughs) they send blue helmets into areas where there's conflict. And does that stop the conflict? I mean, you know, they, they send people in to stand between the two sides. Both sides have to agree that they need to have the UN there before the blue-helmeted blue soldiers arrive. In this case, it was probably one of the last actions by Britain as the chairman of the Security Council. That was February. And they then went on and uh, said, we need a humanitarian ceasefire to allow the uh, COVID vaccination program to, to go ahead. Now, when they say they need a ceasefire for anything, uh, uh, any conflict resolution, they have to look at Africa, which takes up something like 80% of the UN's conflict resolution capacity. There are 15 conflict zones on our continent. So it, it has to work here if it's going to work at all. The question, of course, is have they ever done it before? Well, in 1997, they stopped the conflict in Afghanistan so that they could vaccinate, inoculate people against smallpox. Oh, wow. And the, pol- the polio vaccination uh, that was uh, uh, shoo-shooed in a lot of places and poo-pooed in other places, <laughs> nevertheless, in the Congo in 2010, they stopped uh, conflict there so that they could have the polio vaccination program. So it is working. Now, this is something Antonio Guterres has been working for very, very hard for the next for the last uh, three months. And so, you know, one hopes it works. There's so many things with the United Nations. You know, I was correspondent there for five years. And Mm -hmm. it's the easiest thing in the world and the most understandable thing in the world, too, to say, well, shouldn't the United Nations do this? Or, ah, the United Nations haven't said a bloody word about that yet. And the fact is, the United Nations is that organization where you have to say it is better to have it yeah. Than not to have it. You know, I'm a I'm an inveterate multilateralist. I believe that we should all have some say and that it shouldn't just be the strong. Sadly, of course, the United States, whenever something goes wrong, it leads towards a sort of unilateralist policy, as do others. But in the shape of uh, George W. Bush, in the shape of uh, um, even Ronald Reagan and, and, and then Donald Trump, 
uh, the, the, when it's come to it, they've said, we'll decide, you know, and then the rest of the world be damned. The fact is countries like Belgium uh, and others need to have a say in in uh, the in world affairs. And so I'm, a, I'm an inveterate believer in the United Nations for all its many, many flaws. Well, I remember this time four years ago, we were all complaining that, oh, Donald Trump hasn't said anything about Africa and he's been in office for almost two months and blah, blah, blah. Has Joe Biden done anything for Africa yet? Has he said anything about this continent? Has he paid us any attention or are we clamoring for attention with someone who shouldn't and doesn't care? No, I do believe Joe Biden will have a lot to say about Africa. And, you know, as it happens, presidents that start slowly and some that appear uh, um to have enmity. I mean, Donald Trump, it has to be said, called African countries shitholes, which is not terribly uh. polite. And and the thing is, uh, uh, somebody like George W. Bush, who we thought would do very little for Africa, is one of the presidents that have achieved most for this continent. Certainly uh, the... Uh, Goa. Aid, yes, the AIDS... Uh, uh, yeah. Or anti-AIDS campaign. So, you know, I mean, Biden's been in for, he hasn't even had 100 days yet. Yeah. Uh, and he has, he has significant domestic priorities. So I wouldn't expect him to do something soon. But uh, I think that he will name an ambassador here. I don't know what's happened to the U.S. ambassador here. She had yeah. COVID and was re- uh, recuperating back home. I actually... Uh, yeah, she's Lana Marks. She, yeah. She's the South African tennis player who went off became an American, and then came back as ambassador. That's right. Not a bad thing to do, I would no, know. No, and she's... she's a, a handbag designer That's as well, right. Huh? She yeah. designed a line of handbags, which are among the most uh, sought-after items in the world. So good for her. It shows you that, you you know, you can start off in South Africa and you end up coming back here as a, as a great and good person rather than just a, a business person. So let's talk and, about... And in, in, real, in real conflict, too, it has to be said... Uh, Gareth, perhaps we don't understand it as well as all your guests present, but handbags are a significant <laughs> weapon in some conflicts. I mean, and it's it's not only the satirists who say that. So maybe, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he was taking you know, the, the the Americans used used uh, uh, drones in Somalia and places like that. He used handbags in South Africa. Maybe it wasn't that ineffective. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want us to talk about Rwanda because we haven't had our eye on them for a very long time. Rwandan legal authorities have tripped over their feet in order to admit that they intercepted privileged and confidential legal material in their prosecution of Hotel Rwanda Man on terrorism charges. Just explain this. This guy's name is what? Paul Rusesabagina. Yeah. Abagina. Now, now he's the guy, if you saw the movie Hotel Rwanda, that was the uh, in charge of the Hotel Mille Collines, that means the Hotel of a Thousand Hills. And uh, he put up uh, Tutsi and, and, and Hutu moderates who were uh, in, in danger of being swept up in the genocide, killed in the genocide, and very bravely held them while the forces of the genocide came and demanded them, he held them. Now, he has been given the Medal of Honor in the United States, various awards for this. He's internationally regarded as a hero for what he did. However, he sided with opponents of Paul Kagame. And that is a bad news thing to do. I mean, as we've learned in our own country, people dying at the 
Michelangelo Hotel simply because they and and people being shot in their driveway. Yeah, uh, you, you know, international borders don't uh, stand in the way of Paul. Kagame's uh, uh, revenge, but it has it has it. to be said, right, JJ? There are a lot of people who are big fans of of Paul Kagame, and they say that he's the kind of leader that we need in Africa. And look at how he gets these things going, and business is thriving in Kigali. And look at how well they keep their streets clean on a Sunday, and that kind of thing. He has fans. Yes, no, certain fans. Yes, law and order people, and he has in the freedom loving People's Republic of South Africa. Many, many fans. Have you been to Rwanda? Have you been to Rwanda? Have you seen how mm. clean the streets are? You know, you dare drive a dirty car in Rwanda and you're in stone trouble, you know. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 fans of, the fans of Paul Kagame that I've met have uh, uh, almost to a man or to a woman been uh, mlungus, you know. <laughs> who, who, would like to see, who would like to see that kind of order in their own country. The fact that he has probably the most parlous uh, human rights record on the continent, apart from uh, uh, Eritrea, uh, you know, is is uh, is something we need to look at because he's he, it's monstrous what he does there, oh. and uh, it's a nightmare. So he felt sure uh, Rusesa Sabagina felt foul of him mm-hmm. and went off and sought uh, refuge in Belgium. And took Belgian citizenship, and so in, he was actually abducted to bring him home to stand trial on terror charges, trumped up terror charges, and that's what's happening. Right. Now the Attorney General and the uh, who's also the Justice Minister in Rwanda, he's said, no, no, we haven't done anything wrong. But in an interview just the other day, admitted that they'd intercepted. Uh, uh, mail and intercepted correspondence and we're using this in their uh prosecution of Rusesa Kabagina and so as i say it's a, it's an absolute shame the uh, the several countries have expressed their concern about this hopefully south africa will be among them uh, south africa because of his killing opponents in within our borders uh, actually withdrew the ambassador for a while as a protest which is you know pretty heavy duty protest uh, and one hopes that uh, if we maintain the moral, the moral high ground that we often be- believe we occupy, we'd have something to say about what is happening to the Hotel Rwanda man. Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we choose when we're going to be moral and ethical and use our moral high ground. And sometimes it looks like the less we say about these things, the less of that moral high ground we continue to occupy, right? Well, sadly, this is the case. You know, I mean, there we were when we, we, we with Madiba at the helm. We were certainly a country to be envied. You know, there was nothing, nothing to touch us, and we have slid and slid and slid from that. And uh, the, but the fact is, internationally, uh, we we we're still, I suppose, sort of in the top half of the uh, top half of the log. You know, I'm a, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, so I can stand. You know, falling falling off the top for a while as long as you're not completely relegated but you know this now but this is the fact you know but but then you have other countries like senegal which don't have much going for them but have enormous moral weight and and i envy them so much and i do i do believe that if we did things right we could we could regain a lot of that 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what our, our reputation is like at the moment, but we did have a couple of foreign ministers in a row who were hardly doing us any favors in terms of our, our, our position on the continent. And there are lots of countries. There's the Francophone-Anglophone divide, which you've discussed before, um, Jean-Jacques. But, you know, South Africa is not viewed as being a, um, a, a moral high ground type place by some of our, our compatriots on this continent, right? And mentioning foreign ministers who yeah. uh, didn't do that well, uh, you're being kind in omitting <laughs> presidents who... <laughs> yes, that's also true. ...who actually dragged us through the mire a little, I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, it's always good to check in with you. I believe just one last thing on your parting shot is Ngozi Okonjo Adiala has uh, apparently become... Iwela, a, yes. Uh, you know, she's the former finance minister in Nigeria. She's taken over she's as, as what, WTO head or something? She's taken over the World Trade Organization. She was chief executive of the World Bank at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh, of the IMF, I would say, of the IMF. She's a f- phenomenal figure and a real fighter, and she took over yesterday as right. uh, uh, pre- president of the world, chairman of the World Bank. Uh, her her uh, ascendancy was blocked by Donald Trump uh, for some reason, uh, maybe an anti-African reason, and he wanted to put a, a South Korean in, in her place. But the moment Trump fell, the South Korean dropped out and Okonje Iwela came in and she has had lots to say. She's going to work very, very hard on getting uh, equitable uh, dissemination of the Co- uh, of the uh, COVID vaccine. That's one of her primary things. But generally to see that countries, developing countries get a better deal from the WTO because the WTO decides on trade mm-hmm. disputes. But just for openers, quite interesting, a bunch of Swiss newspapers. You won't really often accuse the Swiss of being politically incorrect, but this group of newspapers said, oh, well, WTO now in the hands of some granny. <laughs> or some <laughs> grandmother. <laughs> All right. Well, well. you know, I mean, uh, I, I I don't mind people speaking irreverently. I find that quite amusing. But no. even even I, with that approach, my ear lobes grow red with embarrassment when I think about these Swiss. Uh, happily, they've apologized, and and she said something sort of mollifying and saying, "Well, I'm very pleased they've apologized, but I've got to get on with this job." So we've been watching her uh, 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 very, very carefully. Right. Uh, uh, we're going to be watching her very, very carefully in 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 her actions in the in the years ahead. She's there till twenty twenty five August. Okay, uh, and uh, you know she's got a, she's got her work cut out because it's a it's a massive job she has and a very controversial one. So she's going to be stepping in between the superpowers and the developing countries. Uh, it'll be it'll be, uh, but she's hit the ground running, and that is important. I think she's a hard working woman. And I think Nigerians realize that. Uh, so uh, it's uh, they must be very proud of having her in that position. JJ, always good to see you. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. That is JJ Cornish. And this is brought to you as it is every a couple of days by the Johannesburg Business School.